Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Let me start by describing to you my dinner table growing up. I grew up in a home with an older brother who's 18 months older than me, and dinner table for the Berry family, it was the same time and you had set seats, there was rhythm and routine, so my dad would walk in from coming home from work at 5 to 6, quickly get changed, and at 6pm you had to be at the table. In your set seat, that was expected. The food was great, my mum was a home ec teacher, so delicious food that we were fed, so there was rhythm and routine, the TV would be on, we'd watch the news as we had dinner together. And at 6.20, every night, the comment would be made by my dad to me, shh, Michelle, the sport's on. Because believe it or not, I was a little bit chatty, and uh, my family loves sports, so yep, 6 o'clock, set seats, eat the meal, shh, Michelle, the sport's on. That was my memory of dinner. And while there was rhythm and routine, there was also kind of any discussion was allowed in those 20 minutes before the sport. And there was every topic we could discuss. I'm telling you, I asked my parents questions around politics, around religion, and around sex. I hit all the taboos. The discussions that we had were incredible. So there was rhythm and routine, and then there was kind of on for all. We did life together around the table. And that's the thing that we've brought into our family, Mike and I, with our three kids. We want the table to be a place where we do life, where we can talk about anything and everything. And let me tell you, around our dinner table, there are all sorts of discussions. I'm sure you'd love to be a fly on the wall at the Stevens house. It is a place where we, we laugh together. It's a place where we have jokes, where we smile, but it's also a place where sometimes there's sadness. It's a place where we can get angry with each other, where sometimes we have to ask for forgiveness. It's a place where we do life. And that's what we learn with Jesus, is that the table is a place to do life together. Interestingly, in this Gospel of Luke, as we're doing this series at the table, Luke's Gospel is the one that has the most mealtime scenes that are mentioned. And I don't know whether that's part of Luke's view of the kingdom of God, that it's a feast and a party and he's excited to celebrate. But as we come around the table again today... We want to look at this idea of eating together, of doing life together around the table. So we're going to start in Luke 14, starting in verse 1. It'll come up behind me on the screens. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. The first thing we see here is Jesus having a meal at this Pharisee's house. The very first thing he does is he chooses compassion over conditions. There's a man in front of him needing to be healed, and what does he do? He heals him. He steps towards him and heals him. But the tricky thing is, is this was on a Sabbath, and there were rules around the Sabbath. There were rules around what you could and couldn't do. It was a a day meant to be set aside for worshipping God. And so if you worked on the Sabbath, you risked being sentenced to death. And so what happens here is Jesus heals on the Sabbath. 
Because the Sabbath, it was a law, it was set aside, meant to be an act of worship and love and honouring God, but it had become a day of exclusion and legalism and conditions. And so Jesus is pushing here and saying, it's compassion over conditions. He heals the man and then he asks the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They're silent. They don't know what to do in this moment. And Jesus is trying to explain and get their attention to say it's about compassion over conditions. And he uses the example of if an ox or a child of yours fell into a well, you wouldn't just leave it there for the Sabbath. You would actually go in and pick it out because compassion matters. And Jesus wanted people to hear that we actually need to show compassion seven days a week, not just when it suits, not just around the conditions, but compassion is more important than conditions. I wonder about us. Do we choose compassion? Do we choose to notice those that are in need and care for them? Or are we worried about the structures, the limitations, the conditions, the convenience around our life? Dubsy preached a fantastic message last week. And one of the things he looked at was the idea that we come to the table without conditions. There is no condition around who is welcome at this table. We are all welcome. But then Jesus is pushing it further and saying, it's actually important to recognize how we behave around the table, that there shouldn't be conditions. Our compassion should matter more. So what about us in our homes? How do we go in our homes when we have dinner time with our family, with our friends? Do we show compassion? Do we slow down enough to notice people around the table, to listen to what's going on, to care for those we eat with, or are we just kind of locked into the conditions? I've got to have the table set. I've got to get food on the table. It's got to have some vegetables. I've got to get it in quick, eat, done, let's go. Are we so caught up in our conditions and rules and routine that maybe we miss what God is doing in our homes with the people we eat with? Because Jesus would show us that compassion is greater than the conditions. Now, I get it. As a mum of three, there are times dinner time is not so much fun. <laughs> And I understand, I think back to when ours were preschoolers, and there were times I would have loved it if someone showed me a bit of compassion, just being honest with you. Mealtime can be messy, and it can be tricky. I get it. And there's different ages and stages. But I want us to consider what's the culture around our tables? What's the culture we are creating? Do we choose compassion over conditions? Do we listen to the people that eat with us and notice them and care for them? Do you know, interestingly, there are multiple studies that show that families that eat together five times a week will actually have kids that are more resilient, less anxious, and less depression. It's important to eat together. Wouldn't it be great to make a choice to eat around the table, even if it's messy and awkward and whatever, to eat together and notice each other? But not just our mealtimes at home. What does it look like here in this community to show compassion over conditions, to really care and notice each other, to listen and respond. Because I wonder sometimes at church, do we get caught up in the conditions of this is how church works, I sit, I stand, I pray, I've got this stuff to do, there's traditions. Maybe sometimes we've even let our rules and religion almost put barriers around how we're prepared to allow God to work, a bit like the Pharisees were doing with the Sabbath. Are we in our humanity trying to limit how God works? Jesus would say the compassion matters more than conditions. Our challenge for us 
around our tables at home and here in this space online and in the room, the people we connect with show compassion over conditions. Luke then continues in verse 7. He says, When he, Jesus, noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who you invited, both of you, will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt, exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So we see Jesus here around the table is continuing to speak life lessons. Firstly, he's pushing into compassion and now he's saying, actually need to show humility and generosity. See, the Pharisees, they were pushing and trying to appease God, pushing for position in God's eyes. That if they followed all the laws, did all the right things, looked down on those that weren't doing it right, that they would somehow gain more acceptance in the eyes of God. And interestingly, the, the meal table back then, it was a really, really significant place because where you sat in position to the person of honour, the, the host, actually reflected your social status. So coming to a banquet, it was kind of an arena to push and, and vie for social position. This was really significant. Getting an invitation meant so much back then because it was so important where you stood, your place of honour in society. And Jesus is pushing against this. He's pushing against the pride and the arrogance and challenging for humility. He tells them, don't arrogantly assume your seat. Instead of grasping for honour and seeking honour in the world's eyes, he says, God's the one who will honour you. Stop pushing and shoving, actually choose humility. But then Jesus takes it a step further in verse 13. Because he says, invite the poor, be generous, serve, and give to those who can't repay you. You see, in this culture, if you didn't invite the right people to your dinner party, there was a risk that you wouldn't get invited back. If you didn't invite the right people to yours, you know, you could be isolated. And then even more so, if you invited people that were a bit scandalous, the poor, the marginalized, you'd be struck off the list. No one would want you there. You would be excluded and shoved apart from the rest of society. And Jesus here, he's, he's pushing against the social norms of the day. He's saying, actually, that what matters is humility, your posture, your behavior. Don't strive for approval and acceptance. He's actually causing them to check their posture. See, Jesus challenges us to check our posture. He chooses humility over hierarchy. That is what matters. He chooses humility over hierarchy. You know, I remember when I was around the table 
along with being told to be quiet. There was other things I remember being told around my posture. You know, you sit around the table and you tell your kids, and I was told, you know, sit up straight, check my posture, wings in, you don't be eating like this, you know, shut your mouth when you're eating, don't kind of have your food coming out, food to your mouth, not your mouth to your food. Maybe some of you parents have used these sayings, or some of you kids are like, yeah, they say it to me. Our posture gets checked, yeah? Our physical posture. For Jesus is speaking to our heart posture. He's not so interested in our physical posture, but our heart posture. What does it mean to come with a heart of humility, a heart of generosity? Not to push ourselves or our own agenda, but let others go first. There's room for us all. Let others go first. What does it mean to change our posture, no longer assume our seat and fight for position, but to submit and allow someone else to go first? Because what we see with Jesus is that he levels the playing field. This false hierarchy the Pharisees had somehow developed, Jesus just levels the playing field saying it's actually irrelevant. It doesn't matter. God's the one who will honor us in the end. There's no need to strive Actually, he's calling us to humility. See, God's not interested in hierarchy. He's interested in our heart. I really believe that's a word for us today. He's not interested in where we stand in our hierarchy, but he's interested in our heart. I wonder if you enjoyed some of the Olympics. I love, love watching it. And one of the standout moments in the Olympics for me was the, the men's Olympic high jump. You might have seen this. And you come to the end and these guys have been jumping for over two hours, like the exhaustion they were experiencing. And it got to two and three quarter hours. They jumped over, I think, two meters 37. You've got these two guys left, one from Qatar and one from Italy. And they're absolutely exhausted two and three quarter hours of jumping. And the guy from Qatar, Mutaz, he says, can we have two golds? I just love that moment where he realizes, actually, I don't need to strive and compete and push. Can we have two goals? And you, you see in this photo, the sheer joy on their face as they embrace and celebrate. And the officials are like, yeah, I think we can. Okay, we've got two golds. There's enough gold to go around. How incredible that Italy and Qatar, these men who jumped for so long, they celebrate together. And when I think about the kingdom of God, there is more than two golds. We no longer have to compete and strive and push, but can we have two golds? Can we actually all just celebrate? Because God is not gonna run out of seats at the table or food for us to eat. The table is big enough for all of us. We don't need to push and buy and compete but actually we can come together around the table. And that is when the food tastes better, when you're with good company. When we're all together, we're richer together. See, Jesus challenges our posture around the table. He's calling us to have compassion, to really notice others. He's calling us to have humility and generosity. What's our posture like around the table? What's our posture like in the kingdom of God as we connect with others, as we do life? And one of the beautiful things about Jesus and how he lived his life, he's not just challenging us to our behavior, but he actually shows us how to use the table. As we watch and, and learn how he used table meal times, we can learn that he uses the table to teach life lessons. Jesus actually was quite intentional to use meal times to connect with people 
and teach life lessons. See, he uses the table as a place to kind of actually speak the hard truth, to embrace conflict, healthy conflict. He uses the table to speak tough lessons. He came to the Pharisee's house. He was ready for whatever they'd throw at him. But what we see is Jesus doesn't just dump and run and he's out of there, but he talks over a meal. He's prepared to make time. Because when you eat, you've got to slow down enough to be together. And he wants to listen, he wants to care, and he wants to teach. And he doesn't do it with a lecture, you're wrong, I'm right. He asks good questions. And he tells interesting stories. Jesus has this beautiful posture of showing us that the table, it's a place to learn together. Both our meal tables at home and when we gather as community, wherever we find ourselves, that as we come to the table, it's a place to learn together. It means that we need to be prepared to have some tricky conversations. We need to be prepared to be okay that things might be different and we might have some conflict, but healthy conflict when we seek unity and submit under the hand of God. We learn together. It means the table needs to be a place where we can ask questions and seek to grow. And as I said, this is both our tables at home and the table here. But for this to work, we have to come with humility. If we're going to have a table that we learn together and grow together, we need to adopt the posture that says, I am humble enough that I don't know it all and everyone has something to contribute. A posture that says, I want to listen well to the other person and I want to respond with grace. Maybe we can be like Jesus and ask good questions and tell interesting stories as we learn together and want to seek God's truth. I want to ask you just to picture then, what does that look like in your home, in your family? Maybe it's your extended family as you gather, or your friends and your neighbours, your immediate family as you eat together. What does it look like to use those times, as Jesus did, to, to grow together, to learn together, to speak hard truths, to listen to recognize everyone has something to bring. And what does that look like here for us as God's family? To recognize we need to listen, everyone has something to bring and to learn and grow together. Because when we do that, the table actually becomes a place of comfort and challenge. And that's how Jesus used the table. It was a place of comfort and challenge. Now, I've got some food with me today, because as we're talking about the table, we're only right to, you know, enjoy some food. Food can be a source of comfort, am I right? Food, come on, I'm sure we've all had moments where we come home from a hard day and we'd like to, you know, just get into a little bit of this ice cream, some comfort food, or maybe you're more of a, a chip eater for your comfort days, or maybe you go straight to the chocolate. We all have those days where food can be a comfort. We're feeling low and we just, you know, enjoy the food. But food can also be a challenge, yeah? There's times where food can be a bit of a challenge. Maybe it's trying something you're not sure about, maybe sauerkraut, you're just not, not sure how you go with that. Or maybe for you, when I say food is a challenge, you think about the challenge of eating your vegetables, yeah? Some Brussels sprouts, some celery. Brussels sprouts are an absolute challenge for me. I do not see the need for them, gotta say. Or maybe challenge food for you is a bit spicy, chili. I love chili, but maybe challenge food is chili or even 
Having to eat something you're not sure about. For me, chopsticks. I know some of you are sensational at this, but this is not my sweet spot. Food can be a challenge. But what we see is that while food can be a comfort and a challenge, it's the same with how Jesus uses the table. See, there's times, and we've sat in in this series, that Jesus uses the table for comfort, where he embraces and welcomes, and he says, everyone is welcome. You have a place, you belong, there's a seat for you. But there's also times where Jesus uses the table for challenge, where he says, I'm calling you to more, there's more for you that this is not enough. I actually want to convict and challenge. I want you to change your posture. I want you to behave differently. Jesus uses the table for both comfort and challenge. The question is, are we people who will actually embrace both? Because we need both at the table. Yeah, there's going to be some things we might find a little bit easier and we prefer to go to, but we need both to grow and experience the fullness because that's the table that Jesus lays before us, a table of comfort and challenge. And if we're going to grow as his followers and know him more, we actually need to accept and embrace both. Because it's a table of a beautiful meal with multiple flavors and dishes and we can enjoy it and change and grow together. And one of the spaces where we see this idea that Jesus uses the table for, for comfort and challenge is around the Last Supper. It's around when he gathered with his disciples, the table, they gathered to eat the Passover. And this was a place where Jesus used the table for comfort and challenge. Let me read, it says in Luke 22, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. See, Jesus brought both comfort and challenge to the table. You know, he went on after this verse, it continues to say that he challenged Peter and Judas. He spoke directly to them around the table saying, one of you is gonna deny me, one of you is gonna betray me. He brought both comfort and challenge. Comfort in that he said, even though they quite didn't understand at all, I'm gonna die for you, I'm gonna give you hope, I'm gonna give you life. This communion table is a place of comfort both for them and for us, that there is more. We are welcome, we're embraced, we have life. And it's also a place of challenge. He challenged directly Peter and Judas, but he challenges us also. Because when we come to the communion table, we recognise he died because of our sin. Because of the things we do and don't do that hurt ourselves and others and God. He died for me. He died for you and there's challenge there. There's challenge to recognise the living King gave up his life for me. And the challenge is to respond and to say I'm sorry and to seek forgiveness and to want to change. Because the table is both and. It's comfort and it's challenge. It's not one or the other. 
It's both and. If we're gonna live in the fullness of the kingdom of God, Jesus welcomes us and says, I wanna comfort you and love you. And I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge your posture. I wanna challenge your behaviour. I've got more. So we're gonna take this time now to, to do just that, to come around the communion table. And so if you're in the room, if you wanna grab your bread and juice, and those online, hopefully you've got some bread and juice or something like that at home. And as we come to the communion table, I'd ask you just to hold on to your bread and juice. It's just a time to hold on to it. If you don't have it in the room today, if you pop your hand up nice and high, our welcome team will come to you. But as you hold the elements, take a moment to look at them, to recognise this meal that we're invited to. And as you take the time to hold the elements, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Where do you need God's comfort today? How is God challenging you today? We're gonna eat the bread and juice, bring the juice together in a moment, but I just want you to take some time to reflect. Because I actually believe that there's some today, maybe as you focus on the bread and juice and you come around this table, you realise you've been sitting in a place of comfort. You've been sitting maybe too much in the comfort and today Jesus is actually convicting, he's challenging and saying, I died for you, I have more for you. I actually want you to confess. I want you to seek forgiveness from me. I also sense there's others that you're sitting in the place of challenge and you're sitting in the place of challenge and trying so hard to get it right. But actually Jesus would say to you, you can't do it on your own. Come and let me embrace you. Let me love you. Let me forgive you. Let me be your comfort. Just got this sense today as we share that there's some kind of swinging from one to the other. And Jesus would say, actually come to a balanced table. I've got both. So where do you find yourself today? Where do you need his comfort? And how is he challenging you today? Take a moment to pray as you just hold the bread and the juice. for us, that you actually want us to experience the comfort and the challenge. And Lord, 
I thank you that just as it was around that last supper, there's a different story for each person there. Lord, today, we all come with different stories. We all come with a different experience, but you, as the one true God, you actually know and meet each of us. Just get this sense today that God wants to encourage us because he knows our story. As we come to the table, he knows if you need comfort today. He knows if you need challenge. Lord, I pray that you would minister today to those that need that love and embrace and comfort. Pour your love over them. For those that maybe need to seek forgiveness, Lord, that you're challenging them. They've got a little too comfortable and you want us to step in. Lord, for the times that we're not aware of what you're doing, forgive us. The times we walk away, forgive us. Lead and guide us to all you have for us, to the whole meal that we might appreciate what you've got for us, Lord. We love you, Lord. I'm just going to stand and continue to respond through song and a real opportunity. As I said, God knows your story. He knows how you come to the table today. So receive from him. So speak to me. I want to respond to you.